Stay tuned now for Citizen U. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Citizen U, a forum for exploring in-depth local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy and, with that, your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I am your host, Mari Roden. Today, we will take a close look at Mendocino County's largest department, the County's Health and Human Services Agency, also known as HHSA. At around 9.30, 9.45, we'll take calls from listeners. That number, in case you want to write it down now, is 895-2448. The administration of Mendocino County, as you may already know, is the responsibility of the Board of Supervisors and the Chief Executive Officer, CEO, Carmel Angelo. She oversees the major functional categories of county government that don't have elected leaders. These include the Health and Human Services Department, Planning and Building, Transportation, and various community services, such as Animal Care, the County Museum, and the Library. Um, and, and just for your edification, the county departments that have elected leaders and aren't under the direct supervision of the CEO includes the Sheriff Department, the Assessor, County Clerk Recorder, the Auditor Controller, the District Attorney, and the Treasurer. These departments are run independently of the CEO's office. Um, but back to the Health and Human Services Agency. This major agency combines three broad departments or divisions, public health, social services, and behavioral health and recovery services, also known as mental health, each of which has myriad programs and services operating within them. My guest today, Anne Mulgard, is here to talk about this large agency, its functions, its history, and its future. Anne moved to Mendocino County to be the uh, directing attorney at Legal Services of Northern California. She served as the founding director of First Five Mendocino, was a co-director of the agency we're talking about today, Health and Human Services, and is now the transition leader for the Department of Public Health. Anne, welcome. Thank you, Mari. And um, by the way, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. I just gave a cursory run-through of your professional background. Would you like to take a minute to elaborate on that introduction? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm almost, um, I'm never going to be a local because I wasn't born and raised in Mendocino County, but I came when I was about 30. And so um, this October, it will be 30 years that I've been here. So it's always so funny when people think of me as a local and then you'll talk to somebody like, you know, who's really been here a long time. And I realized, no, I'm still a newbie, still a newbie. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so my career has kind of been um, back and forth between law and social services. I get frustrated with law because there's not enough contact with human beings and families and helping them to make those really key changes that are gonna make their life happier and healthier. And then I get frustrated working one-on-one -on -one with families because I'm like, no, this is a structural issue. We need to attack it from a legal point of view so that I go back into law. So I kind of go back and forth. So right now I'm very pleased to be um, at public health. And just to clarify why I am a transition leader, because that sounds so funky, 
but do you want me to get into to that right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Because people, I think, are hearing about these changes within the within the agency. Um, so maybe briefly, we can get into it more deeply in a okay. few minutes. So, so, mm -hmm. so briefly, the title is simply, I am the Director of Public Health, and it's called Transition Leader, because the Board of Supervisors still has a decision to make about how it wants to structure the transition leader, because she doesn't want to get out ahead of the Board's decision. Right, great. And can you, so I, I was planning uh, to refer to this super agency of, of three uh, parts as health and human services agency. Can we just agree right now that, that when we say HHSA, that we're talking about these three departments, behavioral health, public health, and social services? Sure. Um, okay. Um, so what are the functions um, of HHSA that are mandated by the state? Are all of the, of the functions mandated by the state? Uh, could you talk about that? Most of, most of what we do um, is mandated by the state. There's, there's probably too many if I did the laundry list, but in general, when you think about, for example, public health, you think about um, nursing, and providing those services such as the pandemic response, such as home visiting to new families with newborns to make sure they're getting a healthy, um, really in tune with child development start. Emergency medical services, California Children's Services, that's like a big insurance company for children who are born with disabilities because no mm -hmm. one family could ever deal with that. So that's a, a state program. Um, that we run here locally as well. Um, environmental health, which has land use and hazardous waste and consumer protection. Um, there's just, all right, so that's just public health. So you can imagine out of the 600 employees that are in HHSA, um, what everybody's doing. So um, should, I, should I just give a, that little, uh, for social services well, and behavioral health as well. Well, I was. I think it's interesting that in some ways the county is an arm of the state, uh, implementing child protective services, having a public health officer, and um, well, are any um, are are there services that the this agency provides that are not mandated by the state that are, are sort of some. optional and extra? Right. There are some that our Board of Supervisors say these are important enough that we would like you to spend either some of our discretionary money, often called general fund money within the, within the county, or we would like you to go out and seek funding to do that. So, for example, um, our opioid work, our work to make sure that there are there is a coalition of people working on opioid and that we all stay in touch with each other, um, making sure that docs and prescribers have enough education about the dangers of opioid. Of course, now everybody knows this, but this started many years ago. Having drop boxes so that when you go to the dentist and you have a tooth pulled and they give you a set of 30 maybe, and you only took two, then you know where you can put those in the opioid drop boxes. So that kind of work um, is not necessarily mandated, but is important enough in our particular community 
that the board encourages some things. And sometimes the board will say, no, that's not important enough to spend the few free dollars that we have on. And so they often say no, too. Well, so on the subject of funding, I'm curious if these mandates from the state are fully funded. Uh, if not, how does the county fund these mandates? That was a heavy sigh, heavy sigh. Um, <laughs> in our opinion, those of us who believe in um, social services, both as a safety net and because there are many, many things we can do better together than we can do individually. Um, so we believe in government providing those services. Um, we don't think there's enough money. So we think there are mandates with that are not um, that we can't do as well as we would like to do if we had a little bit more money from the state. And as you can imagine, we have local officials and we have state officials and going back and forth between what the state covers and what's covered locally. And then they realign things, which means the state no longer takes responsibility for them. The county must take responsibility for them. But funny, uh, how do they expect the county to spend half the money the state was spending? So yes, that certainly happens. And, and how do we make up the difference? Part of the difference we make up with general fund um, dollars, but really general fund dollars or those free floating county discretionary dollars that the board actually has discretion over versus all the other money that comes in as a mandate. Um, that's less than 5% of the HHSA budget. So it's it's not that much. Mm -hmm. I, um, I have a, a side gig as a as a grant writer. And um, I so in that role, I, I happen to know that that Mendocino County has one of the highest rates of child um, child abuse in the entire state. So in some uh, in some regards, we're more needy. You know, maybe we need more social workers than than Humboldt County or another county. And I was thinking about I wondered if you could comment on the role of funding when needs of some counties are higher in some areas than others and how we how we cope. Um, there's there's lawn work being done outside my office, so excuse me if you're hearing that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's often just managers having to prioritize and putting mm -hmm. as much money as we can into the front to try and stop these things before they start. We all know that the, you know, the old adage of for every dollar spent in prevention, it saves you $7. So that's very true, but how do you do that when you also have, let's say a family right in front of you that needs something right now? So it's a balancing act. We try to do both, meet the mandate to keep both children and adults and seniors um, safe and free from abuse from and neglect, but we're also trying to help build supports in the community so that those things happen automatically, that kids are all, and, and seniors are automatically protected, and we don't need to be intervening. That would be yeah. the ideal world. But it is, it's a balancing act that both uh, managers, department heads, social workers on a daily basis have to do. Yeah, well, prevention hasn't been a mandate by the state only responding to crises and uh but in the past um 
well, at least public health, I, I know, has ha invested in uh, grant-funded programs in prevention. And I'm wondering if that's still happening, if there's still a lot of grant-funded prevention programs um, that are being run, and uh, if you could talk about that. Yes, there's certainly some. Um, it would be great to have even more. Um, but there are some. So, for example, the opioid program that I spoke with, um, spoke about, that's there, that, you know, so we're still doing that work. We're doing community wellness work, and that kind of is a, is a rubric for tobacco work. And the tobacco work is both answering the phone and telling somebody where the next smoking cessation class is that they can get to, and working on the legal end, it is working with the jurisdictions around Mendocino County to try and make sure that nobody is selling to minors and that, right. um, and that kind yeah. of work. So that happens as well. We also do snap ed work, which is working with um, people for, it's now called CalFresh, used to be food stamps. And it's working with people to learn how to stretch their dollars in really healthy ways. A lot of nutrition education, learning how to buy in season, um, learning the caloric density. I mean, there's a reason why poor people are often have a higher obesity rate. And it's because mm -hmm. of how we market foods and some foods that are filling are just simply more caloric. So trying to um, help educate people about that, um, that's still work mm -hmm. that we still are able to do. In case you've just tuned in, this is Citizen U, a forum for exploring in-depth local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy. And with that, your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today I'm speaking with Anne Molgard, a longtime county insider. Anne is the former director of First Vital Mendocino, a former co-director of the Health and Human Services Agency, and she's now leading the Department of Public Health during a transition period. And we're talking about the Mendocino County Health and Human Services Agency. So you were talking about prevention programs. One of my favorite prevention programs that you and I actually worked on a little bit together in the planning stages was Healthy Families um, America. And I, yeah, why don't you take a few minutes to talk about that program? Because it's such a, an exciting program. And in another incarnation, the Nurse Family Partnership, a similar program, um, in evaluations of that program in different cities throughout the country, there were incredible successes in, in, but I would like the listeners to hear you talk about it. Right. So the, so the point of both of those programs, it's a home visiting program. And in the ideal world, we meet a mom when she's pregnant and we start visiting that mom during the last trimester of her pregnancy. And we stay visiting that, that family um, until they're three years old. And so what we're doing during that time is helping that parent to become um, the best parent they can be, really. We're sharing information with them. We're modeling um, how you play with your child, how you talk with your child, how you sing. Um, we're providing resources. We're helping them set up their own calendar in their kitchen so they know exactly when that next well child share, um, appointment is set for. Um, you know, making sure vaccinations are on time. But that's just one small part of it. A lot more of it is about how we interact with children, how we discipline them, how you can come from a place with love and still teach boundaries. 
And so it's really a, a lovely combination of both a nurse and almost an, a super nurse who also has um, a lot of social services background and a lot of child development background. So right now we have about 45 families that we're working with in that way. And, um, and they're everywhere from, from, you know, pregnancy through three years old. And then by that time, they're happy, healthy, ready to go to preschool. Two questions uh, about this program I have. One is how are the participants in the program identified? And the second question is, are the participants all over Mendocino County or are they concentrated in inland Mendocino County? Right, so how they're identified is they are either referred to us by maybe a pediatrician or the hospital or their OB provider, or they hear about us from a friend and they contact us, or we call them either way. And it's a little bit of a sales pitch because you're inviting, some, you're asking to be invited into someone's home. That's not always comfortable. Um, I know that that you know before somebody comes into my home, I'd like to spend twenty minutes cleaning up, um, and I'm sure most new moms feel that way too. So it's 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 an it's an element of trust, and that's why it's run out of public health, not out of social services, because we tend to trust nurses more than anybody else. When you do those um, you know those surveys about who's not trusted lawyers mm. and used car salesmen, you know, but who is trusted? <clears throat> nurses. Mm. And so um, so we have nurse and we have um, a community like promotoras who are not quite nurses, but they're but they receive a lot of training and they're supervised by nurses. And they do go all over the county indeed. You can look at those mileage logs on those uh, on those employees. <laughs> they're everywhere. How is this program funded? The program started out being funded with um, a grant from First Five Mendocino, and then we got into the funding for public health and for home visiting from the state. So it's not required, it's not a mandate, but if you apply for that home visiting funding and you're keeping the right protocols about doing it right to get the best solutions, then you will be funded for it. I'm so happy to hear that our county is is taking advantage of that opportunity. Right, it's because you're a... right. The research is so clear that this mm -hmm. program just results in in kids really on both a social, emotional, and a developmental scale. They're where they need to be. Right. Well, I'd like to switch gears and move to another subject, which is the history of, of this agency. Around uh, 2008, I know there was a kind of a period of transition where the departments uh, of mental, it used to be mental health and there was public health and there was social services and they were, they were separate, independent, distinct departments within the county. And then I'm not sure the board of supervisors um, or maybe it was initiated by the advisory uh, an advisory committee. I'm not sure you could you could uh, help us understand that. But what was the genesis of the consolidation of these departments? Could you tell us that story? Sure, sure. So, so oh, those many um, over over ten years ago. What happened was often in government, what we're trying to do 
is use our dollars the most wisely that we can. And we're trying to fight back against the silos that money comes to us in. And that's a lot easier to do if you're an agency versus three departments. So the thought was we would be able to leverage dollars from behavioral health with social services, from public health with behavioral health. And we'd be able to leverage these dollars better to basically using the same amount of money, give more high quality service to the families of Mendocino County. So that was the, that was the impetus for starting it. And what are, what would be the cons then of integrating these departments? It sounds like from what you've just described, it would be a no brainer, but are there disadvantages? Well, the disadvantages are if you don't continually do a cost-benefit analysis. So let's say you're sitting here, for example, in public health, and that means that I am paying to the agency or to the county, one or the other, for things like IT, um, lawyers, human resources, facilities. So am I paying for those things and getting everything I need? Or am I going through a superstructure of HHSA who's taking some money off the top to support that? It was about a 10-person unit there. Um, mm. And I used to be in that unit when I was Chief Operations Officer of Health and Human Services. So, of course, I'm going to say, no, we weren't taking any money off the top. We were value-added. But, um, but there's certainly two ways to look at it. And, and that's why it, it just takes a lot of cost-benefit analysis, and you have to do it constantly because funding streams change, and, you know, you just want to make sure that, that it's the smartest way to go. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's about 15 years down the road since that consolidation was first initiated, and, and there's discussions of once again separating the departments, either into three or two departments where a couple are combined and one is on its own. Um, could you elaborate on this possibility? You know, what's driving this potential organizational change? I think what happened was um, Carmel Angelo, the CEO, told me that she said, you know, I think it's time with the departure, the, re the retirement of Tammy Moss Chandler, who was the director of HHSA, this would be a good time to look at those cost benefits and to look at would we be better off with the three departments separate? And so they hired um, they hired Kitchen Table Consulting to do an analysis and they asked the Health and Human Services Advisory Board, which is about 15 people who are related to Health and Human Services in, in our community to look at this. And so, um, what's happened so so fast forward I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with that whole process because i at the time i was at child support services um and so what at the end of that what happened was just a few weeks ago at the board of supervisors the health and human services advisory board and carmel angelo presented to the board the board said we're going to separate out social services so social services is now a standalone department and its leader is Becky Emery, longtime social services stalwart. And health and and behavioral health and public health, we're waiting six months till we know that answer. Thus, I am the transitional director. Um, so in six months, 
the board will let us know if they think it would be better to combine them and have a health agency or to separate them and have three departments separate. And across California, all of those configurations exist. The super agency of all three, the independent agencies of three separate departments, and a number of counties have social services as one department and health services as the other department. And when you say health services as the other department, then that means we're talking about behavioral health, recovery services, and public health together. Is there any pattern to the way counties organize these departments? Like when you look at rural counties, is it a certain way versus urban? No. No, there's really not. There's really not. And I think that that personalities kind of come into it a lot. If you have a very strong social services director, you might as a board of supervisor or a CEO or a CAO, you might never look at that department again. You might just say it's fine, leave it alone. There's so many other things that government is trying to accomplish to keep its people safe that, that uh, yeah, there's no one answer. Mm-hmm. And when you're working as an agency, I, I would say that, well, no, I, I guess relationships, it really all comes down to relationships, whether you're in an agency or not. So let's say we're in an agency, we would often be sitting with the directors or assistant directors, as they were called then, of behavioral health, social services, and public health with the director of of health and human services and working out problems and problem solving. And so those relationships are key in the agency. Now that there are either two or three departments, they are still going to be key, still going Mm -hmm. to be key. Public health shares its primary building with behavioral health. We have whole person care, which um, is a program that draws on funding from all three departments. Um, Yeah, there's so much crossover that relationships Mm -hmm. really are key no matter what. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, this is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy. And with that, your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I am your host, Mari Roden. Today, I'm speaking with Anne Molgard, a longtime county insider. And um, Anne has been talking to us about the county's Health and Human Services Agency and the changes that it's been going through, the services it provides. And she's currently the transition leader for the Department of Public Health. We are about ready to take your calls in a few minutes if you'd like to call in. The number uh, is 895-2448. I'd like to pick up with uh, mental health or behavioral health services. And prior to consolidation of these departments, mental health department, as it was called back then, I'm pretty sure, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Anne, provided services directly. And there was even a psychiatric health facility um, that was operated by the county. But now those services are contracted out to Redwood Community Services. And then Redwood Community Services subcontracts with different uh, local nonprofits. But I'm curious about what... Well, is it, was this a cost savings decision? Oh, we have a call, so I'll I'll just take the call right now. You're on the air. Hi, I had a question. Yes. Yes, 
Um, I really appreciate this show, first of all. Very informative. Thank you for doing it. I was quite uh, concerned about the statistics about the high rate of child abuse in this county. And also, I'm wondering, what what do you think is the root of that? Is there uh, substance abuse? Is it uh, at, uh, low education, low employment problems? Have you any I- idea yes. what is driving that? And I'll take my answer by hanging up, okay? Thanks. Great. Thank, thank you for that question. Um, I think poverty is a huge uh, issue, but I'm going to let Anne, who's the expert, speak on this issue. Yeah, so the interesting thing about statistics about child abuse in Mendocino County is that we, um, I think our statistics are a little bit higher than they are in other counties for a statistical reason in that we encourage people to report. We put our number out everywhere. We do trainings with teachers and with pediatricians because they're the top two reporters um, of suspected child abuse and neglect. And it's always been our attitude ever since the Allison Glassy days who preceded Carmel Angelo to say, we'd rather hear about it and have to investigate it and rule it out than not hear about it. So we have a very large rate of reports. And it's not just because Mendocino County people are are snitching on each other or something. It's that Mendocino County people really care about the health and development of, of the kids that they see outside. And so our numbers are always a little bit higher. But then when you look at other numbers, such as, for example, the number of people we have in foster care, we have a much more normal number in foster care, um, normal in terms of comparison with other counties, but we have a higher number of reports. So what that tells us is that's okay. That's okay that it's a little bit higher in reports. It just means we have to do more work and be very careful. Um, but but we'll, we'll take it. We'll take the more reports for every child we get. Um, before before some critical disaster happens so so one is statistical reasons but yes substance abuse definitely plays a role um there is about at least an 80 percent um correlation between substance abuse by the parents and a child who ends up in our um, family and children's services system the other stunning statistic for me is the amount of domestic violence and the last time I heard, it was over 60%. So if you look at all those kids, the 200 kids who are in foster care right now, plus those who are still with their family, but they're receiving services to help improve their parenting, um, over 80% have substance abuse problems and over 60% have domestic violence problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in my uh, research on, on this issue, which isn't in depth, I'm not an expert, but there's also a strong correlation between counties that are high poverty counties and um, rates of rates of domestic violence and, and child abuse. Definitely, definitely, mm. sure, sure. And it's one of those things that we have to be careful as as our social workers have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, they're poor, therefore they're stressed out, therefore they're not parenting well. And so there is a correlation between poverty, but we want to remember that, boy, you can get inadequate parenting at any 
any range of income. Right. Yeah. And association isn't a causal. It doesn't imply that there's a cause and effect. Well, thank you, caller. Uh, The number is 895-2448 if you want to call in. I will go back to my question about mental health services or behavioral health uh, services and that they had that they're now contracted out. And I'm curious about why that decision was made and and why not contract out for public health services? Oh, I guess we're not going to get to the answer again. We have another caller. Caller, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, I just I really appreciate this show. Oh, and I wanted to clarify that um, the contract for behavioral health services is to Redwood Quality Management Company, not RCS. Thank you. Okay. Redwood Quality Management Services. And... um, so, so just to finish out the question, Anne, maybe, maybe uh, I'll let you start on your response about contracting out for these services versus uh, providing them directly by the county, and why, if it's working, you know, d- don't we do that with other mandated services? I think that that's also a judgment call and a cost-benefit analysis that has to be done every time. So, for example, when. Um, I was at First Five Mendocino when this happened originally, but the PUF was closed and... What's the PUF? The PUF, sorry. The the psychiatric hospital um, here in Mendocino County was closed. It wasn't, it was just a holding. It wasn't a full-blown... Hospital. Hospital that the, uh, that the city, that used to be at the city of 10,000 Buddhists when we had that. Um, So it was hard to staff. It's hard to find the specialized staff to do that. And so they did an analysis and they got all the parties together and they decided, well, we're going to try this. We're going to try and put it out to bid and see what happens. You can imagine the, the union repercussions, because what you're doing then is you're saying nobody got fired from behavioral health, then called mental health. Um, everybody found a place. And so there was no immediate impact. But over the long term, then there were probably 40 positions that were no longer needed in mental health. And uh, and so there's there's always a union question. Now, most of the providers who bid on these contracts do not have unions, so they might have less expenses. But is that really what we want? Do we want people not to have union protection? Do we want them to um, to not have a pension plan because we know Social Security won't be enough? It's a tough call, but so that's what they did. They, they put it out to bid. They had one provider ordinary management group that won for the adults, and the other provider was RQMC, Redwood Quality Management Corporation, for the children. Then, as time went on, the ordinary management group um, stopped providing services, pulled out, and the CEO asked Redwood Quality Management Services to take over the adult contract as well. So they had to gear up and take over the adult contract. So now RQMC has a number of subcontractors um, to make sure the work gets done, including Manzanita, the Mendocino County Youth Project, Hospitality Center, and I'm probably forgetting some, so I, I forgive me if I forget some. <laughs> That's okay. Well, but if it's, 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 yeah, it's always an analysis. When you, when you compare 
how many services were delivered today with how many services were delivered under the county, it's not even close. We have more than doubled the amount of services for the same amount of money that we are able to, to do through a contractor. So does that make people in decision-making roles take note and say, hmm, what else should we subcontract out? Yes, of course. Um, but, you know, when you subcontract something out, you're still responsible for making sure it happens. So there are huge quality control and quality assurance things that you have to do. And the question really is, are you able to assure that that nonprofit or that for-profit or that LLC that's doing the services, do you have enough um, knowledge about their inner workings to be comfortable trusting our county people who are in a moment of struggle um, to them? Do you trust them? Whereas when we have employees here, we can look at their calendar. We can look at their case notes. We can see everything that we need to see to know the quality of service. Now, of course, we build in those um, those quality assurance and reporting requirements into contracts that we have with contractors. But but still, it's a it's it's always a risk. Well, and how how does the county? You were you were the chief operations officer for a long time. How? How are behavioral health services monitored and evaluated for their effectiveness? Yeah. So there is the, the easiest thing that you can do is to go to the County of Mendocino website, mendocinocounty.org, and look at behavioral health. And there is a dashboard there of monthly services. And that dashboard is by, by town and by type of service. And that's the fastest way. It's about a four-page document. That's the fastest way to see how that largest contract that we were referring to, Redwood Quality Management Services, is doing. And they produce that contract and they share it with the public on the website and they share it with a behavioral health advisory board. So we talked earlier about the Health and Human Services Advisory Board, which exists, but separately there's also a behavioral health advisory board. And those are people in the field or closely related to the field or have a family member who has received services and they work together to really delve into that data. And they're led by Dr. Janine Miller, who is the Department Director of Behavioral Health and Recovery Services. So there at the table, you have Dr. Miller and super interested people who have a vested interest in making sure that we do good services. And then you have the contractors. So it can be a spicy meeting, but in general, um, they they are able to keep a handle on what's going on. And of course, there's also employees under um, Dr. Janine Miller who specifically have the title of, of quality assurance and quality control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a question about um, vacancies in in the, well, the agency. It's an, I guess it's formerly an agency now, but vacancies in the social services department and vacancies in public health. Um, I so just those two departments public health and social services uh why why have there been so many vacancies in those departments and and what how can we fill them how do we and how do we meet our mandates if we don't have enough staff why are there so many vacancies well let me just say to any listener who would like a job my direct line <laughs> is 472-2770 
give me a call. I'll tell you how to uh, get into the NeoGov system to get employment through the county. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think that it is a combination, of course, of reasons. We don't pay people enough. The good news is that three years ago, we did do a study. We refer to it as the COFF study, K-O-F-F. Um, and it did raise salaries over a three-year period. And so now, if you come back to the website to look at the salaries on our uh, on our human resources page that leads you to the hiring website, which is called Neoka, um, you will see a big difference now than you would have seen three years ago. So it really does. It 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 is. It's much better for most categories. There are still some that are off, but it's much better. So. That's probably our wages is the number one thing. Um, I think that government's gotten a bad rap in the last few years, especially the chaos in Washington, even to this, even right now in the last six months, the chaos in Washington. I think it leaves a sour taste in people's mouth about um, about government. When you're working in government and you're solving problems and you're seeing somebody not be homeless who you knew was homeless a month ago, you don't really think about government that way. I think of government as a group of people coming together to solve problems and make life better for people and being creative and thinking of new ways to do things and super dedicated people who just lead with their heart and do wonderful work. But I don't think everybody thinks about government that way. I think we could also do better with um, with our own internal organization, and that is why our county has just, just right now, is embarking on a strategic planning process to look at how can we improve. I mean, we're fine, but how can we take that next step to be a more efficient um, and more compassionate at the same time organization? So the board of Supervisors and the CEO is um, are leading a, um, a strategic planning process, and you can also find a little um, blurb about that on our on the website. If you go to Board of Supervisors page of our county website, you'll see strategic planning, and it has the calendar, and it has an email address: govstrategicplan at mendocinocounty.org, and so you can weigh in on that. And they've selected two facilitators and they'll be building a strategic plan over the next six months. And then January will be the implementation plan, which is all we really care about because we don't want a strategic plan that ends up on the shelf. That's Sitting the on the shelf, right. Oh. Right. Yeah, well, morale at the county has been, has been a problem for a long time. It's been bumpy um, in the human services departments and, um, and so I think this doing a, a strategic planning process um, that includes, you know, um, improving the situation, the morale and the working conditions for county employees is a, is a good thing. I hope I hope it really does get implemented. Yeah, I think that any any employee who knows where their leadership and, and, and where the ship is heading is a better employee and a happier employee. So having those achievable goals, whatever they're going to be, is going to be great. Good. On that note, we have another caller. Caller, you're on the air? Yeah. Uh, I would like to know, uh, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. I have been a 
recipient for a long time of help to raise my six children. I'm now a grandmother, and my big thing is homelessness. And when people need a house, they have to come up with first and last month's rent, utilities, and also the three months to be with a mother is not enough. I was uh, We had Head Start, and, and I had for two years a lady that came once a week, once a month. I had a date with, her, with my children, and uh, uh, Mary from Point Arena that came to Albion. I lived in a trailer out in the woods, and it was in, invaluable. She gave parenting skills. You know, we had a three-hour session, and we we talked and we worked together, and I know my children are healthy and adults now with children of their own, and it was in, of important parenting workshops. Um, I'd like to see each neighborhood, each community, have a house uh, where people can get together and have a meal and play, you know, checkers or mm-hmm. meetings, you know, a telephone, a computer. If you don't have a computer, if you don't have a home, if you don't have the means, it's really difficult. It's fine if you have a job. It's fine if you have a car and transportation. But a lot of people, the poverty, what you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. is very real. Substance abuse is very real. We've got to find a daycare, you know, a place where people can go. There's a lot of homelessness, people that sleep in their cars, people that don't have a facility at all right. and don't have the education. And I'm curious, what is the building, Redwood Quality, they give it shot once a month. I was told it's $2,000. And that's the, the mental health. You get one shot a month and that's it. And as far as hmm. there being services that follow up, there are none. And I just, uh, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. It's really hard because I, I know <laughs> you're doing, you're doing well, but you're not, we need to do better. And I don't think a facility at $25 million for 12 beds is ridiculous. You know, we need, mm-hmm. we need a neighborhood, local, preventative, ongoing. We need gardens. We need jobs. We need mm-hmm. discussion groups. What, what you're doing here with the, with the radio, with the open mm-hmm. air. Discussion. This is important. This is what what KCUX says is invaluable. Thank you very much for the opportunity sure. to just raise some issues. But we need- thank you, caller. I really appreciate your call, and it's good to hear she she said in the beginning how she and her family benefited from services that the county provided, and I'll bet you don't hear that very often. Um, but she too also often. <laughs> not too often. Uh, but maybe you could comment on some of the the issues that the caller brought up about daycare and other needs. The caller did say that three months is not long enough, and that makes me think I might have misspoken earlier. Our home visiting program is actually from zero to three years, so I apologize if I misspoke. It is is a longer term because I agree. It's it's hard to turn your life around in three months. And Uh, it's from prenatal, just to be clear, while the mother's pregnant through, yeah. We sometimes accept them a little bit later, um, but the best outcomes happen when we start prenatally, definitely. Um, Oh, my goodness, so much. So if there's a $2,000 shot um, that the person receiving the shot is not paying that $2,000, I suppose there could be certain kinds of psychiatric medication that takes a a once-a-month shot, sure, but the person... How, how the the services that that behavioral health is responsible for in our county are services that are mandated for the medical population, and so nobody would have a two thousand dollars share of cost per month for that shot. That's just not going to happen in the private world. It could, but not not in in the 
the mental health world here through the county. Um, one thing I would like to mention is a shout out to the family resource centers, because if you want some place to share a meal and um, and get some family support, take a parenting class, um, either with or without your kids, the family resource centers are really marvelous. They're located all over the county. They can be found if you Google Mendocino County Family Resource Centers, you'll find them. They're in um, Wallala, Point Arena, Fort Bragg, Laytonville, Covalo, Willits, Ukiah, Par Valley. Um, and they're funded in part from our Family and Children's Services, part of social services. And they also do a lot of their own fundraising and grant writing as well. So that's a uh, that's a great resource for for families and parents and it's it's very everybody shows up there doesn't matter your income you want to take a parenting class you might be there with a you know with a totally somebody with a phd on one side of you and somebody who got a ged on the other side it's it's very very open non-judgmental kind of places they're lovely yeah. another subject that the caller raised briefly is homelessness and um i'll ask you a quick question on that we have just a few minutes left but um you know, Mendocino County residents see unhoused people on our streets, in our parks, on the beaches, on a regular basis. And I think many people wonder, why do we continue to see this problem? Who's dealing with it? Whose responsibility is it anyway? Is it the county's job? Are they, are they failing us in this regard? Is it the job of cities? You know, whose job is it to deal with the homeless problem, man? Uh, well, I guess I do you realize that half the questions you've asked me, I've started out with a sigh. That's just, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And, and I guess I'm sighing because these are just such big problems. There is no easy solution or we would have done it. Yeah. So what we know about homelessness is we know that most of the people who are homeless are from Mendocino County. And we know that both from the Margaret report in 2018, and we also know that from a recent um, local paper, the Ukiah Daily Journal and its affiliates have been doing a lot of local reporting lately. And they all agree that they were all saying, all those editors were saying together, yes, these people are from somewhere else. Uh-oh, wait a minute. If we're all saying that, then it can't be true. So we know they really are from here. So we've got everything from poverty to mental health substance abuse, to um, having a, a mobile society so you have less family around you to help. You might be from here, but you don't have that extended family of aunts and uncles who can take you in when needed. Um, there's less church going, and I know this, is not, this seems like an odd thing to bring up, but in, in the 1970s, 70% 70 of Californians went to church weekly. What is that now? About 30%. And I think it's probably less than 30% in Mendocino County. So that's another opportunity for support and for donations that we're not really using anymore. So where do the, where, who's picking up the slack? The government is picking up the slack, but it's very, very hard to do. Mm -hmm. All right. If there's any more callers, we have time for one more call. The number's Eight nine five two four four eight. To this is Citizen U. It's a forum for exploring local government and related issues. 
to increase your civic literacy and your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today I've been speaking with Ann Molgard. Ann is the former director of First Five Mendocino, a former co-director of Health and Human Services Agency, and she's now leading the Department of Public Health. And we've been talking about the Mendocino County Health and Human Services Agency. Let's switch gears. We don't have any callers to um, the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. We are undergoing unprecedented times with the pandemic. Um, and much of the impact, I think, has been on the public health you know, department of, of the Health and Human Services Agency. Curious what lessons, I know you're, you're just in the role of public health, uh, but, but what, what have you learned? Uh, are there weaknesses in, in the county structure and how, how looking, looking ahead, uh, what changes do you see? Like the rest of the country, we've learned that a 50-year decrease in funding of public health infrastructure has an effect. It is unbelievable when you look at what we used to invest in public health and then slowly but surely, especially in the last 15 years, how it has plummeted. So if you get a pandemic when you already have less than half the nursing positions filled and a 30% vacancy rate in public health, guess what? You're gonna struggle. It is amazing how well we have done in Mendocino County given the lack of it, it, the suffering infrastructure in public health. And the reason we've done amazing is the CEO's office um, that has really poured resources into it. Our great public health officers um, who have really provided a lot of leadership and staff just signed my first set of timesheets at, at public health on Friday night. We have staff working 100 hours a week doing contact tracing, making sure that if you were exposed they're finding the next person you exposed and making sure that they're tested before they go to their visit their sick grandparent or their immune compromised friend or whoever mm -hmm. it might be. So, so are we ramp uh, I'm sorry Anne. Uh, are we ramping up then in our, uh, our nurse nursing staff for for the future and do indeed, we have the funds? Indeed we there mm -hmm. is funding. It's it's a tough thing to hire nurses when they can walk over to a local hospital and make much more. In a way, that's good. Most most uh, nurses are making more than a livable wage, but at the same time, it's it's hard to compete with. So we have two that we just hired in the last two weeks, or are going to be starting next month. So that's exciting. But we'll uh, we'll keep it going. And thank you for joining me this morning. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I've learned a lot. I hope listeners have learned a lot as well, and. Uh, I uh, stay tuned. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willitson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening. I'm never